Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. You know, every week we try to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you. And I'm super excited for today's conversation because I know it's going to do both. Super excited to have Josh Huseman with with us today. A fantastic leader from a church called Mercy Road Church in Indiana. Uh, It was started in 2010. Uh, they have a vision to plant churches that plant churches and they to create disciple making culture that impacts the world outside of the walls of the church. Excited to learn from you today, Josh. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I'm pumped and I love that you're making practical impacts saying, OK, what are we, what's actually working? What can we do to expand the kingdom? So I'm excited to be here. Thanks for asking. Yeah, so fill out the picture a little bit. So, you know, you have, if I'm counting right, five kind of churches in the family, the Mercy Road mm-hmm. family, and you're looking at planting more. Kind of tell us a bit of the story. Fill in the picture. Yeah, our story was uh, I moved from California, believe it or not, to Indiana mm-hmm. to start a church. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? As I, people I do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was just a calling. God, in a moment of prayer, mm-hmm. said, do this. And it was a crazy story, and it all <laughs> happened. Even told me these three friends of mine from high school would help us start a church. One wasn't a Christian. One was <laughs> working for Entertainment Tonight in Los Angeles, and you know <laughs> all of it happened. And it's just a wild time—the last uh, twelve years of our lives. And so we moved to Indiana, and the goal was never to to start a big church. The the goal mm-hmm. was to reach as many people for Christ as we could in our lifetime. Which I've been reading a lot of books like Ed Stetzer's Viral Churches and others mm-hmm. that talked about the fastest form of evangelism was new churches, mm-hmm. knew I was called to plant a church, but didn't know anything mm-hmm. practically about how to mm-hmm. do that or what that meant. Mm-hmm. And so we just started with that vision from day one. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be more about uh, multiplying disciples, multiplying leaders, uh, multiplying services, and multiplying churches uh, and networks. And, and that's what, uh, I mean, praise God, over the last 11, now 12 years, we've got to see that occur. Um, Love it. There are five, uh, soon to be five Mercy Road churches. Uh, we also, mm-hmm. before we began starting Mercy Road churches, we just planted churches and we planted, mm-hmm. uh, including the Mercy Road churches, it'll soon be, I believe, 28 churches through Multiply Indiana, wow. which is a separate church planting nonprofit uh, we helped start mm-hmm. uh, to partner with the national church planting networks for mm-hmm. uh, church planting only in the state of Indiana. And so yeah, we've got to see a lot of multiplication occur. Love it. There's so much I want to dig into there, but um, you know, so many churches talk about being a multiplying church and wanting to have, you know, actually raising up leaders. And the thing I'm excited for Josh to lean in with you is because this you're actually doing that. That's actually a part of the story here, which is incredible. So why don't you pull back? So first of all, why Indiana? Uh, I love that you have a, you know, a pretty solid line built around, hey, God's called us to this state. Tell us that story. What's What's going on there? Yeah, so the story, it makes a little sense. I grew up in a small town in Indiana, but my adult life had been in California. My wife's from Southern California. We had Mm her son out there. But in that moment, I had gone to this conference, heard a pastor speak. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was the recession was starting 2010. 
actually mm-hmm. gotten worse. And I remember just uh, being there and being like, God, we love our church. We want to be there forever. But if you would have us do anything, what would it be? And in that moment of prayer, I had the most real moment with God I ever, ever had in my life. <laughs> it, uh, knew he wanted us to move to Indiana, start a church. And these three friends I mentioned would help us. And, you know, th- I think the calling to Indiana was largely based on I was going to tell people about my faith in Christ and in California all my adult life. And these people I knew growing up, I, I didn't know where they stood spiritually. And mm. I think in that moment of prayer, God gave me a burden uh, for the state of Indiana specifically. And so we we mm. never even had what most church planters had, which was we want to plant in this city or this county. Mm. Like we had no clue. Uh, hmm. We mainly planted in Carmel, Indiana, because my wife was from the suburbs of California, and it was the most uh, easy for her to make the cultural mm-hmm. adjustment to. But the vision was always to just plant throughout the state. And so that that's why we, we put the parameters on the state of Indiana itself. What would it look like if mm-hmm. we did a regional focus rather mm-hmm. than just going anywhere? Yeah, I love it. So talk through how you're structured. You've made a couple different distinctions. There obviously are, you've planted these 28 churches. There's a subset of those that are Mercy Roads, um, but you're not multi-site. These are independent churches, if I'm reading this correctly. Yes. So help me kind of understand how that all fits together. Yeah. And 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 with Multiply Indiana, we will only plant in Indiana. With Mercy Roads, someday we might do something beyond that, but that's not really our, our we're not really thinking about those things. Our Right. The, the the heart behind it was uh, we just wanted to reach more people for Christ. And we mm-hmm. always looked around and said, what resources and ability do we have? And we had uh, grown rapidly as a church, as a three-year-old <laughs> church. We bought an old Borders bookstore, moved mm-hmm. into it. The church began to grow more. And, mm-hmm. and we were really planting out of the culture, reaching on church people. And what mm-hmm. started happening was we were running out of space at the building that we had. We had to make a decision. Are we going to build on, mm-hmm. do the project? Mm-hmm. And we ultimately decided we're we're church planters, and if we could raise significant resources, we, we mm-hmm. probably wouldn't invest it in one building. And so we started dreaming: if we had those resources, what would we do? Well, mm. we want to get people to live on mission and to go reach more people. So what if we just sent them out in four different directions from Mercy Road mm. to plant churches? And mm-hmm. that's where the Mercy Road family of churches came from. Was mm-hmm. uh, that we wanted to get more people to leave because we were out of space at our building. <laughs> Um, but if you go back even a few years before that, when we moved to town and it grew uh, rapidly in those first few years, when we were moving into that first building as a three, almost four-year-old church, uh, we had decided to start Multiply Indiana then. And mm. so we moved into our first building and planted another church a mile down the road. And we had a few <laughs> families go with it. And so we just kept doing that. And what we found was uh, it wasn't that hard to connect with planters, send resources. And, you know, we might have 10 people go with them and plant the church. Uh, and so we were able to do that pretty rapidly. But over time, we hmm. weren't getting enough to go. And so that's why we eventually started the Mercy Road family of churches mm. to plant with our DNA, name, vision, and values. And when we plant those, even though they're one legal entity when they start, we use church, not campus from day one, because we want them to get the vision. This is going to become a self-sufficient, autonomous church. We just spun off the very first one. Uh, they've been growing very rapidly and are about mm-hmm. two years schedule. So uh, yeah, as That's they cool. get to that state that they're able to be autonomous, we spin them off. Yeah. So the goal would be, it sounds like the goal is obviously to get, they're not necessarily autonomous for the beginning, but the goal would be to get there eventually. That's kind of the, the hope. 
Yeah, and they yeah. really, from day one, operate self-sufficiently. They set up an advisory team. It's not the legal board, but they set mm-hmm. up an advisory team that becomes the legal board. They, their staff runs everything. I'm just coaching the lead pastor. That's, right, okay. That's pretty much how it works. So, so obviously behind all this, the kind of substrate underneath all of that has got to be a pretty robust discipleship development, you know, leadership engine. Talk us through that. How, what does that look like? What's the best way for us to understand that? What's God kind of teaching you through that piece of the equation? Yeah. Well, first I would say this, I think in, in all of this, uh, I have never met anybody and we're certainly not that the plug and play solution, just do this and you're going to do this amazing (laughs) thing for God, right? Like, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of messiness that goes into this. And for us, uh, the one thing we had right was we do everything in teams. I've never Mm. preached, you know, more than three Sundays in a month from day one. Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. most of the time I preach two Sundays a month. And sometimes now only one Sunday a month. And we raise up communicators, our worship team. We always have teams leading worship. Mm. Uh, We partner with other great communicators and bring them in as regular guest speakers. And so we developed people. When we planted those churches, we had a backlog of communicators and worship leaders. Hmm. And and that's just the Sunday stuff. You know, for us, church is not just a worship gathering. It's a community on mission. And so we had taught people through our discipleship huddles and uh, through our outposts, how to be discipled and then how to live on mission. Mm-hmm. And so they got that we did not want to be the church where it was come to our gathering, get into a small group so you find friends and stick around here. Our goal was we're trying to disciple people and send them out. The mm-hmm. biggest book um, that I gave to our board to really help get the vision for them was J.D. Greer's book, Gaining by Losing. That they would get the concept of being known for your sending capacity, not your seating capacity. Yeah. Okay. So why do so many of us resist doing things in teams? So I think this is one of those things that's like, we all know intuitively, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't do this alone. We all intuitively, even as communicators, we're like, man, yeah, I shouldn't be the only one up here. But then here we are 48 weeks a year, the same person's up front. Yeah. Why are we not pushing against that? What have you been able to unlock in your I'm culture? I'm going to give you my opinion. Yes. My great. Opinion, you know, I think we tend to like almost demonize people for why they're doing these selfish things. I actually think a lot of times it comes from a heart of wanting to reach people for Christ and grow the local church, but we're, mm-hmm. we're not able to see the forest for the tree. And what I mean by mm. that is um, we use the analogy of people are trying to reach as many people as they can for Christ. And they think that means they have to grow their local church as big as it can be. We set this vision from day one when there was 40 people in the church. We want to reach a million people for Christ in the state of Indiana. Okay, That's wow. silly. There's less That's than 7 million vision. people in the yeah, whole yeah, state. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, huge. It, it's ridiculous. Uh, but if we were actually discipling and sending, it could occur. And so, uh, you know, we talk about we'll never gather a million people in a place. Right. But if we disciple and send, we actually could. So we use the analogy of we don't want to be the redwood tree. We want to be the aspen tree. Mm-hmm. The aspen mm-hmm. tree can, is the largest living organism according to mass in the world. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is you can have a 5,000 square mile forest that operates as one living organism. It's called a clonal colony. It's where mm-hmm. in the movie Avatar, they get the concept <laughs> of these trees thinking. Uh, mm-hmm. James Cameron's wife is a big fan. The director of that movie, his wife is a big fan of aspen trees. And, you know, that vision to uh, see this whole forest develop rather than just our one tree, that's what we've tried to communicate to our church. 
we don't, you know, if if I spoke 52 year, weeks a year and uh, Eric, our worship pastor, when we first planted, uh, led worship every every Sunday, mm-hmm. we would have grown faster. I, mm-hmm. I, I know we would have. People would, mm-hmm. would come to us all the time. Well, why don't you just preach every week? Why don't you? Mm-hmm. And we had to tell people because we're not building that type of culture. And right. We're looking at the long run, the forest, right. not the tree. And I think they eventually came around and started getting it. Mm, yeah, I love that. I love that. I, you know, vision of like, hey, we should be looking to the long term win here, the long term game. What are we trying to end up? That's that's fantastic. Now you joked uh, about the messiness of that. What are some yep. of those common pitfalls you're finding in the, your approach? Kind of common er- ways that are like, ooh, this is something we're struggling with. We're still working through. Yeah, I think uh, there, there's a lot, and uh, <laughs> I mentioned one. You can kind of hurt the short term growth because. Yep you uh you know aren't giving people what they want mm-hmm. and, and and that's really hard if we're being honest in the mega church world I, I have a lot of friends in that area and if the lead pastor who preaches 48 to 50 times a year doesn't preach 40 percent of the people don't show up right mm-hmm. like but if we're ever going to break those cultural norms we have to fight that battle and so mm-hmm. that's a that is a hard pitfall uh it, it creates financial trouble you know we could have grown faster if we done di- had done it differently I think the other thing that gets really messy, though, is when you are about decentralized uh, empowering of the priesthood of all believers, something we talk mm-hmm. about a lot, Yep. you get people doing things that I'm not even talking about the people who are doing bad things, sinful things, right? Like I'm just talking right. about people who are doing great mission-driven things who don't perfectly align with everything you envisioned. Right. And so it can feel like very chaotic. I can give mm. you a great example of that. So <laughs> sure. we we have, rather than small groups, we have an outpost network mm-hmm. that includes a variety of different uh, communities on mission. Outposts are mm-hmm. just groups of communities living on mission. Some of them are micro churches in the home, and some of them are living like doing outreaches or ministries in the community. Mm-hmm. And we uh, uh, allow people to apply for financial grants, that we empower them, we give them video announcements, we give them space in the lobby, we do all this stuff. We tell them if it's not sinful and the Lord's calling you to do it, we're not going to say no. Go <laughs> okay. do it. Yep. Yeah. Well, we made that decision early on, and I had a guy uh, come to me who was a new Christian mm-hmm. who uh, had come to Christ in the, through a bar ministry we were supporting. And he's like, mm-hmm. Josh, I was at my lowest of my lows. I found amazing friends. So the local church changed my life. I got <laughs> Jesus. I want other people to experience this. So he's like, I'm a big WWE fan. Okay. And I'm going to start an, an, an outpost for uh, wrestling fans. We're going to watch Monday Night Raw and then do a Bible study. I'm like, okay, that sounds okay. cool. That's your passion. Go for it. Not my thing, but go for it. So he does. <laughs> he gets six dudes showing up on Monday night. They're watching Raw. Right. They're doing a Bible study. Some of them aren't Christians. It's awesome. I'm, I'm right. high-fiving him in my office. He killed it. Mm-hmm. And I thought mm-hmm. that was the vision. And he goes, well, I'm glad you liked it because uh, you guys are we are moving into our first building. And mm-hmm. it, that first property had high ceilings. Mm-hmm. And he said, when you get that building done, I want to do a live wrestling show. And uh, I want to, I wanna, you know, raise money for charity and talk to people about my faith. And that's when I was like, you know, sometimes you like have inner dialogue and it, it acts I couldn't keep it in. I accidentally said like, dude, <laughs> I think that's a terrible idea. Uh, I would never come to it. But we had just decided I had to say yes to him. So I was like, you know, uh, yeah, you can do it. Sure. So we started wrestling theology. Uh, long story short, 
he did it once a month that entire first year. He had about 150 to 200 people show up every week. Uh, it, they reached more atheists for Christ through that outpost than all our other outposts combined that year. Wow. Wow. I would have squelched that in a second because I was like, I don't want right. our young church being associated with something that I don't get. Well, yeah, yeah. after we saw that, it was like, this is amazing. But you interesting, know, you think, well, interesting. that's a great story. That's great to celebrate. No, it's messy. So right. Rich uh, called it Wrestling Theology Fellowship. One mm-hmm. day I show up and the outposts get to put stuff in our lobby and hang up posters mm-hmm. and stuff. And mm-hmm. he had a life-size cutout of Brock Lesnar in a Speedo in the lobby of the church when I showed up on Sunday. <laughs> and then he had posted posters all over our bathrooms. And they had just gone through a rebranding and Wrestling Theology Fellowship now was using the acronym WTF on all of their promotions. <laughs> And I'm getting all these comments from parents with young kids. What in the world's going on? What is this? You know, and so we had to walk through like, hey, this is a good thing, but also how can we work together and have it not mess up the other stuff we're doing? And, and we've worked through those things. And why can't the spirit of God help us work through those things? Yeah, I love it. I love that. I had a friend of mine who said, you know, one of the things when you when you set yourself out to say we want to develop leaders or surround yourself with leaders is they'll lead, which is Great and also messy at the same time. Totally love that. What a great story. Yes. I love that. Wrestling Theology Fellowship. Love it. But WTF. it's worth it, right? Like, I mean, yes. we're a big yes. believer in that God, the same spirit of God that is in me when I preach is in that other person yeah. that they've received Christ. And so their body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. We got to empower them to live on mission in the same way. Yeah, I love it. So there's a lot of executive pastor types who are listening in. And um, oftentimes when we think about multiplication efforts, one of the things that comes in is just the financial stuff is like, how do we do this financially? How do we kind of fund something by definition? We have to, we have to get, give resources to something before it's something to make it become something. And so how do we do that? What does that look like for you guys? So I, I think that for one, we, you know, I try and keep in mind, um, church has been done for 2000 plus years lived on mission in ways where you didn't have to have the things that we think we have to have in 21st century culture in order for a church to exist. So I start there. I tell our staff, ministry is free. It doesn't Mm -hmm. cost anything to talk to somebody about your faith in Christ and disciple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That said, I get the practical side. I think the one thing that we don't Mm do, uh, we want to envision the future of the church. And I love that. That's my heart. Think, Mm -hmm. how can we do this differently? Be more generous. My mm-hmm. atheist and agnostic friends often critique the churches. You get a 501c3 from the federal government because you're supposed to be helping the community. But today, all of your money goes to your buildings and your staff. Mm-hmm. How is that mm-hmm. meeting the needs of the community? And so we said from day one, we didn't want them to be able to say that about us. And so mm-hmm. as a church plant just starting from day one, you know, a healthy church usually tries to give away 10% of their resources. We, we gave away 20%. Wow. And then we set a goal about year two or three of over the next decade, we wanted to give away, get to the place where we're giving away 50% of the total giving outside <laughs> the walls of the church in a given year. Wow. And we, wow. we've achieved that the last couple of years. Um, it's not as hard as it sounds. And I'll tell you the one thing I was going to say is as crazy yeah. as that is, yes. it doesn't mean that we don't utilize intelligent stewardship that people who have spent a lot of time and energy for decades on have learned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a person on our board who is our mm-hmm. treasurer, who is a, has been a managing partner for Cape and Krauss, one of mm-hmm. you know, the, mm-hmm. the big consulting mm-hmm. firms for churches mm-hmm. financially. I, I, we invite him in so that we can learn, but then we yep. don't let that limit us for what we believe God is calling us to do, if that makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, with that, that 50% of the total giving sounds a lot harder than I believe it actually is. It's not 50% mm-hmm. of the general tithe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it usually doesn't end up being more than uh, 20% of the general mm-hmm. tithe, sometimes mm-hmm. 15%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the rest of that is all in committed, designated giving. It does mean mm-hmm. at the end of year, okay. the year, you're usually doing an end of year giving campaign for a outside the walls mission opportunity for us has been largely church planting. Right. That's how we've been able right. to plant all these churches is we, we were trying to hit our giving goals. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Uh, so if I understand that a part of what you're doing is folks are giving, is it the kind of thing where like there's say a, a food bank in town and the church is giving X amount of dollars to that. There may be people in your church who are designating through the church to give to yes. that food bank. So that's where you're driving up the 50% number. Yes. That's yeah. What, and I think yeah. that is a failure of uh, local churches to learn from the nonprofit world. Every nonprofit yep. finance expert will tell you that uh, people prefer to designate their, their financial yep. gifts. Now, yep. that said, we teach biblical tithing. I believe as a follower of Jesus, the first 10% yes. should go to the local church. But you know, in, in our world, people could give way beyond that 10% uh, mm-hmm. in wealthier communities and make an impact. And, yep. you know, I don't, we've proven this in suburban communities. We haven't proven this in inner city communities. To, so to my friends who are planting in the inner city, it could look totally different. This is just what mm-hmm. we've done because we think mm-hmm. God placed us in the community we're in mm-hmm. to siphon resources to places of greater need in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, mm-hmm. we're trying to spend less on our buildings and staff so that we can give more resources away. But we do, we open up the floodgates. Uh, if you are a mission partner of our church, you're listed on our uh, on our online giving that you can select the tab and give directly to them. We also have had people, we give hundreds of thousands of dollars to microchurches in Africa that we're helping start. And that's mm-hmm. been largely in partnership with someone who was doing that, heard that we w- were willing to do church differently like this and, and mm-hmm. combined and partnered with us. And we do that together now. So it's, you know, it, it sounds harder than it is one. And I actually think that you would actually grow resources financially significantly by doing this. Sure. Yeah. I, well, and I could see that. I think, so I've done something similar, not at that scale, but there are definitely, my experience has been with donors, particularly there are donors who would love to kind of give through the church and have, frankly, the church be able to celebrate the fact that they're giving more than themselves. Like they, you know, they would rather the, you know, kind of the good news be the good news story be like, wow, this Mercy Road has done a bunch of great stuff with all these different organizations. And so, yeah, that's cool. I love, love that. That's, uh, that's fantastic. It it does have its challenges too. You know, one of the things we did then was uh, all of our mission partners. So we, uh, we don't uh, work with uh, some of the larger mission partners out there for sponsoring Mm -hmm. a child, but we have a local Mm -hmm. one here that we work with. And mm-hmm. when they do child sponsorship, for instance, when they come to the church, we have all the giving go through the church. And some would say, mm-hmm. well, that's just a, a pass through. And I argued, no, it's fighting for the, the local church and saying, we got to stop cutting the church out of these things mm-hmm. because the church isn't gaining anything financially. It's more work for us. But yes, what it yes. does is it gets us to actually participate and yeah. stop handing off mission work to the parachurch world. And that's just a personal uh, a view, theological view of, for me is I think the local church has to be more invested in mission. And, and that means uh, not just handing that off all the time. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and friends, I'd encourage you to, to go check out uh, their website, mercyroad.cc, and drive right through. It's actually one of the things that caught my attention when you drive through to your giving page. And then right there, I don't know that I've seen a church do that, where you li- literally list you know, the significant marriage, multiply Indiana, dotted line divas, center ice ministries, you know, two, eight ministries. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and that list was longer when we planted the churches. Some of them took some of those mission partners with them. Okay. And so, you know, it's kind of neat to see each church now beginning to grow that list. And, and that's the stuff that also motivates us, gets us excited to see resources going through that. Let's uh, pivot in a slightly different direction back to the kind of coaching and leading of the churches that that have been planted from Mercy Road. Uh, How do you structure your time to care for, lead, provide guidance and coaching for the lead pastors who are in that that network? What are you doing? Do you meet with them weekly, monthly? Is it informal, formal? Is it you have like a two-year residence program? What's that look like? With the Mercy Road family of churches, it you know, and you know, again. I'm not going to say I, we're church planters, so you know half the time you're 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 building the plane <laughs> as you're flying it, right? And you're getting ready, fire, aim. And I think for us, uh, what we did was we thought God was calling us to send the church in four different directions. So we began mm-hmm. to raise resources, send people out, found lead pastors for each of those. Some of them came within our church, mm-hmm. and actually, mm-hmm. a couple of them came outside the church that <laughs> just got excited for what we were doing, the DNA of the type of church we were planting. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then as we set people out, they get on a a phone call or a Zoom call with me every Monday mm-hmm. for at least an hour. We do one on ones uh, every month. I'm mm-hmm. always available if they call, text, email, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I find what happens too if you if you hire good ch- church planters, you know, coaching church planters is always a unique experience. Uh, sure. And sometimes <laughs> they really want your help. It usually has to do with setting up systems or finances or opinions about next steps as a church or, or building stuff. But sometimes some of the things that, that that need coaching, they don't always want that coaching. And so, (laughs) you know, it's, that's messy too. We've had to figure that out along the way because part of it with what we did that was also unique was we bought buildings for a couple of these churches as we planted them. Mm. And uh, you know, that's something in, Midwestern culture. I used to be in Southern California. That'd be a way harder thing to do. But here you can mm-hmm. do something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, But that meant that the sending church had a lot invested in this. And so mm-hmm. we had to walk through, hey, we got to work with you in the early years. And if I had to do it again, I'd be really strict the, the first year. This is what we're doing. And then I would really give them a lot of freedoms after that first year. Um, because the lead pastors, we've, we were very critical about who we hired for that. And so mm-hmm. far they've all worked out great. We have an amazing team. <laughs> and what's been That's interesting great. is I had to be open too to learning from them and them doing some things differently than the way we originally did them. Right. Um, and that, that's been great too, because sometimes God wires people differently. Yeah, I love it. So when you look up over the horizon, you think about the future, you think about kind of where's God taking Mercy Road next, any kind of questions you're asking, things that you're wondering about as you look look down the road around this whole multiplication and kind of where where's God leading you around that, you know, that whole aspect of your yeah, ministry? Yeah, uh, I'm thinking a lot about it. In fact, uh, we just had some of our team up in Chicago last week with uh, some of the New Thing Network and with yeah, Dave yeah, I love Ferguson those guys. Yeah. at Community Christian and uh, he, you know, he was talking about the future of the church, both in person, the meta church, 
Uh, they're doing some neat uh, church work in prisons and, uh, you know, thinking through like all the different aspects of what we're trying to accomplish. And for us, I think that the next thing in the Mercy Road Family Church is we've really proven, hey, if we send out hundreds of people and we're highly invested early on, this works. But we're now looking at, hey, if if we sent uh, $100,000 of resources and uh, gave you the whole playbook. We, we, we wrote a whole church planting playbook that's going in mm. print. And mm-hmm. here's how we do this. It's a different mm-hmm. model of ministry because we don't just do small groups. We do one-year discipling huddles. Uh, mm-hmm. We do uh, communities on mission, these outposts, and, and then we financially resource those. The, the finances operate differently. So here's how we do it. And then uh, I'll personally coach you, but you can plant this anywhere in the world. That's kind of the next step for us. We're a little Love ways it. from that next leap, but I think that's get, what gets me excited is we're trying to reach so many people for Christ. And, and mm-hmm. when it doesn't require so much investment up front and people can have more freedom, mm-hmm. uh, that gets me excited to partner with planters that way. And yeah, then also it. within that, you mentioned a residency program. We're actually mm-hmm. working in partnership with Indiana Wesleyan to create mm-hmm. that at our church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. So good, Josh. This has been a great, you know, I got a page of notes here, lots of things to chew on. Really appreciate this. Is there anything else you'd love to share just as we wrap up today's episode? Well, yeah, I think in general, the thing that I always encourage people that I think they miss is this is the the practical stuff. I wish somebody would have told me, which is why I love this podcast. (laughs) Sure. You get beyond that and then get practical in your context means take this stuff and go, Okay, but in our area, what is the spirit of God telling me? I always think mm. we, we hear from these great leaders, not me, but like, you know, the really great leaders at the conferences and all that kind of stuff. And we just think I could never be like that. I couldn't achieve mm. it. And you can't. You probably are never going to be as uh, the amazing communicator that some of those people are. Or, or I know I won't be. So mm-hmm. what I've had to do is go, okay, well, but what is the spirit of God telling me? Mm, so good. If we just listen, take, take this kind of stuff and go, okay, but in our context... What would this look like? And right. stop thinking that we ha- if, if that if I don't find the cookie cutter version from the person down the road, I can't do this. No, you you can, and it'll probably do it better than we ever did it mm. because we're not that organized. We're kind of crazy church planters. You could probably do this way better, and but be, believe that the spirit of God still speaks and could use you in that way. Man, I'm telling you, really amazing things will happen in the American church. We start Love thinking it. like that. Yeah. I love that. It's that whole, like, stop trying to live somebody else's vision, right? Like what's God yes. called you to do? What's he uniquely set you up to be? And and why not run towards that? This has been so fantastic today, Josh. I appreciate it. Where do we want to send people online if they want to track with you or with the church or the network? How do, where do we want to send them? Yeah. Uh, mercyroad.cc is the original Carmel church. Mercyroad.church is the Mercy Road family of churches. And Multiply Indiana is the greater umbrella for church planting in Indiana. Uh, that we're doing. And you can find me on most social media, just Josh Hoosman, one S, two N's. Love it. Thanks so much, Josh. Appreciate you being here. And thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.